from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, news of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. You know that sound that uh, these days sometimes comes out of your phone? I don't think you hear it anywhere else anymore. But it's uh, two tones smooshed together. You haven't done anything, but suddenly you hear them coming out of your phone. Well, it's a well-known sound that many film and television productions have been fined over. Fox stands accused of playing the emergency alert system attention tone. That's the tone I'm talking about. Fox aired it to promote an NFL show on dozens of TV channels. The use of the sound is prohibited, in case you didn't know, to prevent people becoming desensitized to something you should only hear in the most dire circumstances. Quote, to preserve the unique purpose and effectiveness of the emergency alert system tones, the uh, FCC enforces laws that prohibit their use or simulation, except for specific permitted uses, unquote. What kind of a dictatorship are we living in, anyway? According to the FCC's notice of apparent liability, Fox admitted using a three-second clip of the tone pulled off of YouTube in a short comedic advertisement for an upcoming game. Aired as part of the Fox NFL Sunday pregame show a couple Novembers ago. We find Fox responsible for broadcasting the promotional segment containing the EAS tones on 18 of its own and operated broadcast stations, transmitting the promotional segment to 190 of its network-affiliated broadcast stations and causing the transmission of the promotional segment on Fox Sports Radio and Fox Sports on XM channel. That's according to the FCC. It added the promotional segment's comedic tone also did not alter or neutralize its overall effect of falsely warning listeners and viewers of a non-existent emergency. The tones were clearly audible, cognizable, and appropriated for a non-emergency use. This manner of appropriation of the EAS tones is exactly the kind of simulation that the Commission's rules seek to address and prohibit in order to avoid diluting the EAS tones' real meaning over time. Unquote the FCC. Therefore, the FCC deemed Fox's ad to be an egregious and willful violation of the rules and proposed a fine of $504,000. Last I looked, I think they're good for it. Hello, welcome to the show.
Everybody thinks we're all From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And um, now, some uh, news about the crypto winter. We're going through a crypto winter, everybody. Happy crypto winter to you. Porsche is halting the mint of its first non-fungible token collection. They're NFTs. The German sports car manufacturer announced this on Twitter. Anybody there? Anybody there? After receiving negative feedback from its community, quote, our holders have spoken. We're going to cut our supply and stop the mint to move forward with creating the best experience for an exclusive community, said the project's official Twitter account. Claiming more information was coming later in the day. This from Coindesk. The mint opened on Monday with each NFT a digital replica of the iconic 911 model, priced at 0.911 Ether, about $1,400 each. In the hours following criticism of the collection mounted on Twitter, anybody there? With creators and collectors sharing their thoughts on the company, racing into a Web3 strategy without considering the overall state of the NFT market. Down, in case you were wondering. Of the 7,500 tokens available, only 1,818 were minted. The project fared worse on secondary marketplaces, with NFT selling for below the mint price, meaning it was cheaper to buy the NFT at resale than mint an original. As of Tuesday afternoon, it appeared the mint was still open, which further inflamed... The NFT community. (laughs) That's a community I want to belong to. Porsche did not respond with uh, any kind of comment. But uh, I'll give you a buck for the the whole collection. Meanwhile, also in the crypto winter file, AWS, that's Amazon Web Services, Google and Microsoft are among the creditors owed money by the FTX crypto exchange after it filed for bankruptcy way back in November. Since that one hyped company, once hyped company went south, founder and former CEO Sam Bankman Freed was arrested in the Bahamas in December, charged with uh, violations of campaign finance laws and uh, money laundering laws. He maintains. His innocence. In the meantime, Judge John Dorsey, who oversees the case, said names of creditors owed money shouldn't be published until after a hearing earlier this month, although the names of individual investors have not been released. Companies and institutional investors, the big suckers, have been published. 
Along them, a long list of enterprise tech companies, presumably providing FTX's technology. AWS, Microsoft, and Google among them. Also, Dropbox and code repository GitHub. Device manufacturer Apple and web hosting firm GoDaddy, also named as uh, operations owed money by Sam Baxter, uh, Bankman Freed. It's impossible to say how much each company might be owed. FTX has said $3.1 billion was outstanding. Outstanding right by the men's... Uh, outstanding to its top 50 creditors. Estimates suggest they're in the region of 1 million of those. The greatest two single claims against FTX. 226 mil, 203 mil. FTX liquidators said they'd found $5.5 billion in remaining assets. <laughs> $415 million was stolen in a hack in November. Still missing. The discovery of missing funds, FTX says, represents a substantial shortfall of digital assets. Once one of the vital elements of the supposed Web 3.0, cryptocurrencies have taken a bashing of late. The bludgeon of reality has now hit Bitcoin, which saw about 60% of its value wiped out last year. One estimate in June suggested the collective value of cryptocurrencies fell $2 trillion from their peak. The ramifications of the collapse continue, according to the Register of the British Tech Journal. Tesla took a $34 million charge on its Bitcoin investment, according to its most recent results. Ooh, it's cold in here. It's a crypto winter. Now, news of the land of thousands of princes. Our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and its sovereign wealth fund have quietly, and in some cases not so quietly, built a multi-billion dollar foothold in Hollywood. Just four years after much of the industry cut ties with the country in response to the murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. This is according to the Hollywood Reporter. Kind of an answer to the book released this week by former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who says uh, his trip to Saudi Arabia, Arabia soon after the killing of Khashoggi was a middle finger to the media, the, quote, bedwetters who didn't have a grip on reality. Pompeo is fixing to run for president. But back to the Hollywood Reporter, Saudi Arabia's public investment fund overseen by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and other Saudi-affiliated firms appear to be betting that live entertainment, rich financial investments, and sports 
can be the gateway back into the American market. A middle finger back to us. In January alone this month, the um, public investment funds backed LIV Golf Tour scored a critical U.S. broadcast TV agreement with the CW. Yeah, that's still around. While the government-owned Middle East broadcast giant MBC, MM Group, cut a deal with Vice Media to create Arabic-language content. Earlier, Saudi soccer team Al Nasser signed Portuguese superstar Cristiano Ronaldo to a $200 million a year contract. And uh, if the second edition of the Red Sea Film Festival, held in the coastal city of Jeddah last month, was anything to go by, the country's time and cold in, its, in terms of its relations with Hollywood has come to an end. Sharon Stone, Guy Ritchie, Spike Lee among the uh, attendees at that film festival. And uh, then there's the big win for one of the country's most high-profile U.S. efforts, LIV Golf, the rival to the PGA Tour, fully funded by the PIF to the tune of billions of dollars. LIV has poached high-profile PGA stars like Phil Nicholson, Mickelson, lured by guaranteed eight- or nine-figure paydays. The tour had only a YouTube channel available before it struck a deal this uh, a couple of weeks ago with the next star owned CW to air 14 LIV tournaments annually. It's a win-win for both the network and the tours, as Guggenheim analyst Curry Baker. LIV should benefit from the national distribution and exposure the deal provides, while the CW gets hours of content on what's believed to be a revenue-sharing basis. Hours of content with which to fill its schedule. Your schedule's got to be a little empty when you're filling it with golf, doesn't it? I know, it's a lovely sport. Of course, the growing presence of Saudi money in the entertainment industry has also drawn the attention of groups that believe the country has not accounted for the murder. The uh, LIVCW deal returned these concerns to the forefront, says The Hollywood Reporter especially with Nexstar firmly in the news business via its local stations and its own cable channel, News Nation, not seen in your area. We're deeply disappointed that a company that makes money from news would agree to participate in such a shameful PR stunt as LIV Golf, which is fundamentally designed to rehabilitate the Saudi reputation, says the president of the National Press Club, Jane Judson, quote, Judson, we're left to wonder what, if anything, Nexstar stands for. You cannot have a brand of news and act this way. We urge Nexstar to do the right thing and cancel their bloody golf show. And if they don't drop the program, here is what we can do. Don't watch it. Unquote. Greg Norman, who's the CEO of the LIV Golf Tour, appeared on News Nation. Gee, what a coincidence to respond to the controversy. 
asked by anchor Dan Abrams, that's where he went, whether he thought he, Greg Norman, thought the Saudis had learned from their mistakes. Norman responded, yes, I do. I've been over there building a golf course in Saudi Arabia. Now, this is way before any of this hoo-ha-ha erupted, Norman added. I was there for a reason because they see the value in what golf is as a force for good. And it's proving it out in their country today, unquote. I guess a lot of folks have been turning in their bone saws. LIV is only a small piece of the puzzle being constructed by the fund. The sovereign fund has been cited as a potential buyer for the WWE, the wrestling outfit. It already hosts a major event in Saudi Arabia each year called Crown Jewel. If uh, the WWE is sold to a private firm in the current marketplace, I would assume that to be sovereign wealth money as raising debt for private equity, said one Wall Street observer, who adds the PIF, the Saudi fund, may be more willing to put up with the notoriously difficult to work with Vince McMahon, once and once again head of the WWE. The uh, fund has used the public markets to quietly amass significant stakes in a wide range of companies with Hollywood connections. The fund owns a nearly $1 billion stake in Live Nation, one of the largest shareholders in Live Nation. That's a company accused of uh, monopolizing the ticket, concert ticket market, as well as the concert production market. They're good people. And video games appear to be an interest to the fund. PIF owns more than $1.2 billion in Take-Two Interactive stock, more than $2 billion in Electronic Arts shares, and $2.8 billion in Activision Blizzard stock. After Khashoggi's murder five years ago now, Many American companies, including those in Hollywood, disengaged from deal-making with the Saudi fund and other Saudi entities. In early 2019, Endeavor, the owner of a big talent agency, WME, returned a $400 million investment from the fund. But the PIF used the pandemic to dramatically expand its investment in the U.S., according to... uh, filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. In uh, October 2019, the investment splurge began with uh, investments in Uber and Tesla. A year later, October 2020, taking advantage of the pandemic-battered economy in the U.S., it had acquired its its, uh, stake in Live Nation. And by Another year, it added its massive video game and tech holdings. The country's persona non grata status appears to be over. That would be a middle finger to uh, whom? Mike Pompeo would have the answer. 
As one industry source told The Hollywood Reporter, in just the past few months, it felt as if Hollywood companies that would have been concerned about a potential PR hit are, quote, suddenly now much more open to doing deals with Saudi Arabia, unquote. News of the land of multiple thousand princes, the freedom-loving friends of ours in Saudi Arabia. He's not a general He commands no troops He's not an inspector He peeks at no stoops He's an inspector general Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I do have to make clear at uh, at this particular moment before sharing this with you that it was published in Science, or at least Science.org. think that's probably the same organization or org that publishes the magazine called Science. And they are quoting a federal watchdog, an inspector general. So this is not from some wacky wingnut operation, I don't think. With that said, a federal watchdog has weighed in on problems with a U.S. government grant that funded work in Wuhan, China, on bat coronaviruses. Those are the uh, funds, that that grant, that uh, some onlookers, in the language of science.org, led to the COVID-19 pandemic. The audit from the uh, Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services found oversight issues by the National Institutes of Health and reported that the grantee had misreported $90,000 in expenses. But it shares little new light on issues already widely covered and discussed in the media and Congress. The report finds, quote, NIH, NIH, the National Institutes of Health, did not effectively monitor or take timely action to address compliance problems. They involved the EcoHealth Alliance, which is a New York City-based nonprofit that held the NIH grant. EcoHealth had sent some of these funds to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the WIV, to study bat coronaviruses collected in the wild and examine their potential to jump to humans. In April 2020, after then-President What's-His-Name claimed the virus could have come from the WIV lab, NIH, the National Institutes of Health, terminated the EcoHealth grant with little explanation. That step was widely condemned by scientists, and the Inspector General's report now says NIH improperly executed the termination because it did not provide a valid reason or provide EcoHealth with required information for appealing the decision. A few months later, NIH reinstated the award, but immediately suspended it, setting conditions for resumption that EcoHealth said it could not meet. Then the NIH permanently terminated the WIV award as of August of last year for compliance issues, including WIV's failure to provide 
the National Institutes of Health, with lab notebooks related to the funded experiments. The uh, audit examined that grant and two others to EcoHealth, the total $8 million, but uh, focused largely on the $600,000 that went to WIV, Wuhan Institute of Virology, including work that created hybrid bat coronaviruses to study the potential of wild viruses to affect humans. NIH, National Institutes of Health, had concluded these studies did not qualify as gain-of-function research that requires a special Health and Human Services review because the viruses, the hybrid viruses, weren't expected to be more dangerous to mammals than the starting viruses. But it stipulated that EcoHealth should immediately report any unexpected growth of the hybrid viruses to the National Institutes of Health. And NIH has faulted EcoHealth for failing to promptly report this unexpected growth in some experiments. EcoHealth has countered that the unexpected growth has been misinterpreted and blamed the computer glitch at NIH for a two-year delay in filing a progress report containing the data. The Inspector General faults NIH, the National Institutes of Health, for not chasing down the late report, lamenting missed opportunities to take more timely corrective actions to mitigate the inherent risks associated with this type of research, unquote. However, the audit refrains from commenting on whether the results of the WIV hybrid virus experiments constituted enhanced growth that should have potentially triggered the special review. The inspector general did not assess scientific results for any of the experiments or make any determination regarding the accuracy of the interpretations by EcoHealth and the National Institutes of Health of research results. The audit did find other problems by both NIH and EcoHealth. The uh, nonprofit billed NIH for 89000 in unallowable costs. It concluded, including expenses such as a $5 alcoholic beverage and a staffer's $3,200 trip to a conference that was miscoded and should have been billed as a non-NIH grant. The Inspector General recommends that the Wuhan Institute of Virology be debarred from receiving NIH funding in the future. NIH supports that step, but it noted that action must be made by a debarment official of Health and Human Services. A recent congressional spending bill gets the job done in terms of borrowing, uh, barring any funding this year to the Wuhan lab. EcoHealth said it welcomed the report and downplayed its con- conclusions, asserting in a statement that the audit, quote, did not find significant issues with EcoHealth's grant oversight and compliance. Unquote. The group notes the nearly 90000 in unallowed costs constituted just 1% of its awards from the NIH and that the Inspector General routinely finds similar problems at other grantee institutions. 
and it pointed out that the audit revealed EcoHealth had not been paid by the National Institutes of Health for $126,000 in overhead expenses, which EcoHealth is pursuing. As I said at the outset of this, not exactly what you're hearing from the uh, right side, the right side of the discourse at this point in time. It is news of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. This is a show. 
And now... I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Not quite enough said. What's that stuff on the beaches in France, for example? French prosecutors say they will investigate the appearance of vast quantities of tiny, toxic, plastic pellets along the Atlantic coast and endanger marine life and the human food chain. Just the human food chain. The criminal probe is going to follow several legal complaints about the pellet invasion lodged by local authorities and the central government in Paris. That's according to Camille Mianzoni, chief prosecutor in the western city of Brest. That's what he said to Agence France Presse. The microscopic pellets called nurdles, I said nurdles, are the building blocks for most of the world's plastic production, from car bumpers to salad bowls. This from Agence France Presse. They are usually packed in bags of 55 pounds for transport, each containing around a million nurdles. But they can easily spill into the ocean when a cargo ship sinks or loses a container. Environmentalists also suspect that factories sometimes dump them into the sea. Fish and birds often mistake them for food, and once ingested, the tiny granules can make their way into the diet of humans. Experts told Agence France Presse the nurdles found along the coast of Brittany may have come from a plastic industry container that fell into the sea. On Tuesday, the French government filed a legal complaint against persons unknown and called for an international search for any containers that may have been lost at sea. The local I'm sorry, the environmental crime branch of the Brest Prosecutor's Office is l- leading the investigation. Last weekend, around 100 people took part in a cleanup campaign on a microplastic-infested beach in Brittany to collect pellets and draw attention to the problem. We think they've come from a container that may have been out there for a while and opened up because of recent storms, said a spokesman for the NGO Surfrider Foundation. Our action is symbolic. It's not like we're going to pick up an entire container load, said a pensioner as she filled her yogurt pot with nurdles. I'd just like to say that one more time. Her yogurt pot with nurdles. French politicians have taken note. Senator from the region has called for a clear international designation of the pellets as being harmful. Ecological transition minister labeled the nurdles an environmental nightmare. Telling the Agence France Presse the government would support associations fighting against pellet pollution. Ingesting plastic is harmful for human health, but nurdles, in addition, attract chemical contaminants found in the sea to their surface, making them even more toxic. Measuring less than 0.2 inches in size, They're not always readily visible, except when they wash up in unusually huge quantities, as has been the case since late November along the northwestern French coast. Ah, the French. And UCLA researchers published a study recently 
this month, indicating that children's playgrounds contain more microplastics than other areas in urban parks. The study found that microplastic concentrations were, on average, five times higher within playground areas compared to non-playground areas in the ur- urban parks tested. According to Jamie Leonard, a doctoral student in civil environmental engineering and co-author of the study. Leonard says the motivation behind the study is to help people recognize the risks microplastics could pose, as many people would not want their children to be consistently exposed to pollutants with unknown risks. The researchers carried out the study by collecting sand samples from various urban parks around the L.A. area. The study's findings were surprising, according to another one of the researchers, as playgrounds are usually built away from major roads and highly developed areas that generate large amounts of microplastics. Leonard says the researchers determined the plastic structure of the playground may be contributing to the elevated microplastic concentration. Children playing on these structures in the playground could be causing small bits of plastic to break off. Ultraviolet radiation may also be leading to plastic breakdown. The researchers say the presence of microplastics in tested soil and weeds indicates children could possibly be exposed to microplastics through ingestion and inhalation. And I am proud to say I shared this study from its publication in the Daily Bruin, the newspaper of the UCLA campus, where I once worked. And now... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol III. Ukraine would not rule out boycotting the Olympic Games if Russian and Belarusian athletes are allowed to compete in the Paris 2024 Games. That's according to Ukraine's sports minister. Plans by the International Olympic Committee to look at ways for those athletes to return to international competition would be opposed, says Ukraine's sports minister, Vadim Gutsait. Our position is unchanged as long as there's a war in Ukraine. Russian and Belarusian athletes should not be in international competitions. Goodsight wrote on his Facebook page. He's got a Facebook page. Quote, work is currently underway in further possible steps and first steps to continue sanctions and prevent Russians and Belarusians from international competitions, he said. If we're not heard, I do not rule out the possibility that we will boycott and refused to participate in the Olympics, unquote. He later wrote the talks with national sports federations would begin on a possible boycott of the Paris Olympics in case of allowing Russian and Belarusian athletes to return to international sports arenas. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine last February, many sports organizations have moved events and suspended Russian teams for athletes while sponsors have ended contracts 
to protests against the war. Russian and Belarusian athletes have been banned in some sports while they're allowed to compete under a neutral flag in others. But the IOC, eager to see them back in international competitions, said this week the Olympic Council of Asia, EuroCA, had offered Russian and Belarusian athletes the chance to compete in Asia, giving them a qualification pathway to the Paris Olympics. It's a movement, and we all need one every day. Now, just an item about our friend the Adam. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida says the government will proactively call on municipalities to accept surveys for selecting a final disposal site for high-level radioactive waste from nuclear plants. And they haven't done that yet? Instead of waiting for local governments to raise their hands, we will make requests in stages, including for considering or accepting surveys, he said at a meeting of the House of Representatives. The government is currently conducting the first stage of the final site selection process in a couple of towns in the northwest, northernmost prefecture of Hokkaido. In the two municipalities, however, Sutsu and Kamuenai, there are strong concerns about the safety of a disposal site. Huh. Imagine that, making it uncertain whether the government can proceed with the selection process. But Kishida stressed the government will accelerate its efforts, will work to get many municipalities interested in the matter, he added, without saying exactly how. And now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Earlier this week, Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy tweeted a reference to debunked claims that schools were putting litter boxes in school bathrooms for children who identify as cats. He was responding to a video from the Daily Wire, which featured Minnesota Representative Sandra Feist saying, not all students who menstruate are female, advocating for a bill that would require menstrual products in boys' school bathrooms in the state. He deleted his tweet shortly after. Dungy faced backlash for his tweet, has walked it back. He tweeted an initial apology and deleted it, but included it in yet another tweet. Quote, this past week I posted a tweet that I subsequently deleted. I issued an apology, but not everyone saw it. So I'm reposting my apology here. As a Christian, I want to be a force for love to everyone, a force for healing and reconciliation, not for animosity. I saw a tweet and I responded in the wrong way as a Christian. I should speak in love and in ways that are caring and helpful. I failed to do that, and I'm deeply sorry. Dateline Cape Town, South Africa. Germany apologized this week for using a leopard emoji in a jibe at Russian former minister Sergei Lavrov on Twitter that ended up offending some Africans. The German foreign ministry had poked fun at Russia's top diplomat during his tour of Africa when it tweeted that he wasn't there looking for leopards, but using the trip to try and justify Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. 
The tweet and the leopard emoji the foreign ministry used on its official account played off Germany's decision to send some advanced leopard two tanks to Ukraine. But an African Union official took offense at what she said was the contract the continent being portrayed only as about wild animals. Foreign policy is not a joke, nor should it be used to score cheap geopolitical points by illustrating an entire continent with colonial tropes. The spokeswoman for the African Union chairman said the German foreign ministry apologized, said the tweet wasn't meant to offend, but rather to call out the lies that Russia uses to justify its imperialist war of aggression against Ukraine. Glad it wasn't a joke. The Society of Thoracic Surgeons and its newly installed president have posted an apology for a speech delivered by its outgoing president that appeared in part to disparage affirmative action as a means to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in the field. The uh, speech unleashed a cascade of tweets, some circumspect, but many expressing outrage and dismay. Many of, the, many of the tweets were from individuals who acknowledged not hearing the speech, but who had seen at least one accompanying slide, which by then had been widely circulated. It contained phrases like, affirmative action is not equal opportunity. Reactions on Twitter included comments like, this is bad beyond description. The STS... Society of Thoracic Surgeons and its new president issued a statement disowning at least the controversial parts of the presentation, stating they were inconsistent with STS's core values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. The STS apologizes for these remarks. We know these comments were hurtful, and we regret the pain they have caused to so many valued colleagues. The uh, speech in question by the outgoing head of the society John Calhoun John H. Calhoun said I believe that either the slide or my remarks were misinterpreted by some I don't want to hurt anybody I'm profoundly sorry and I apologize the Associated Press the biggest news agency in the United States says the BBC has apologized after it was ridiculed for warning journalists against referring to quote the French Unquote. Ah, the French. Orson Welles can still do it. The AP Stylebook Twitter account had recommended writers avoid using the in phrases like the disabled, the poor, and the French. It said this could be dehumanizing. The French embassy responded by briefly changing its name to the, quote, Embassy of Frenchness in the United States, unquote. We just wondered what the alternative to the French would be said the embassy spokeswoman, continuing, quote, I mean, really, unquote. The original AP tweet received more than 20 million views before being deleted. It was widely mocked on social media. The stylebook said its reference to French people was inappropriate, but it did not attend to offend. Writing French people, French citizens, etc. is good, but the terms for any people could sound dehumanizing and imply a monolith rather than diverse individuals. That is why we recommend avoiding general the labels, such as the mentally ill, the poor, the wealthy, the disabled, the college educated. For example, it said the better term than the poor was 
quote, people with incomes below the poverty line. The AP Style Book is considered one of the best style guides for journalists and other writers, particularly in the U.S., according to the BBC, although I know two novelists, neither of whom uses the AP Style Book. Fox News Channel host Harris Faulkner apologized to viewers Friday afternoon after the network aired police body cam video of the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. Quote, we had no idea what it was going to look like, and that should have had a warning and a graphic before we showed it, and then on screen, unquote, Harris Faulkner. The footage released by a San Francisco court shows the scene at the Pelosi home when officers responded to a 9-11 call after an intruder with a hammer broke into the house last October. The video was aired on Fox News Channel's Outnumbered show, along with a separate video from a surveillance camera that showed David DePape using the hammer to break his way into the home. Quote, the producers are apologizing to me, but I want to apologize to you, Faulkner said after airing the body cam video for the first time. Faulkner and co-host Kennedy, remember her, seemed stunned by just how graphic the video was. Faulkner noted that Kennedy had looked away due to the violence captured on the video. To be fair, she used to look away from the MTV videos, too. I have a hard time seeing violence like that, and that was just a natural reaction. I know it's our job to look at these things and analyze them and take them in, but also the anticipation. We know it's going to happen, Kennedy said. The network's coverage carried a warning to viewers from that point on. And Dateline El Paso, Texas, Congresswoman Veronica Escobar's campaign team is apologizing after an email asking for donations was sent with an undignified subject line. Uh, Escobar's campaign sent an initial email on Thursday whose subject line to recipients read, quote, we're asking you to give a expletive, unquote. The message encouraged people to contribute to the campaign of the uh, Congresswoman, her re-election campaign. Other than the subject line, no other profanities. Later in the day, a second email from the campaign was sent apologizing for the initial email, saying the message was sent without approval. Quote, earlier today, you received an email from Team Veronica with an undignified subject line. We want to apologize. Our digital contractor sent this subject line without approval. I understand you may be offended and surprised, not only because this campaign would never speak to our supporters like that, but because we know you do care. To suggest you don't care is as offensive as the vulgarity itself. I'm sorry for this error. Thank you for being a great supporter of Veronica's and for understanding. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time over these same radio stations and at a time of your choosing on the audio device. 
the audio device of your choosing. Yes, it's redundant. And yes, it's redundant. And it would be just like being redundant if you'd agree to join me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk and to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for their help with today's program. The email address for this broadcast, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and the playlist of the music heard here, and all sorts of cool stuff to read and watch and listen to and forget and ignore, all at harryshare.com. And, yeah, you're damn right I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Sensory of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.